Hello and welcome, excellent listeners, to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your lovely hosts, Dr. Greenfield, and sitting beside me, looking ravishing as ever. Hey, what's happening? (laughs) It's Dr. Radness. Hey! Well, where are we at, Dr. G? Oh, we ended on a cliffhanger. We did, didn't oh, we? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Uh, Roman morale dropping by the moment. Yeah. There was a defeat against the Volskians. Which was surprising. Yeah. Mm. And I think we were on the cusp of an election, but nobody was very interested in any of the candidates, no. were they? <laughs> I can't imagine that kind of thing happening <laughs> these days. Can you imagine having people who are going to lead your nation and not really wanting any of them to lead you? Ah, Shocking situation. Yeah, look, the way history has changed. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, well, we do get a couple of guys elected in, and yeah. I'm sure you'd be surprised to find out that one of them is a Fabii. Is this Marcus? It is. Marcus. Well, if I live and breathe, <laughs> oh, Marcus. Marcus Fabius, brother of Kaiso, mm. brother of Quintus. Yeah. They ke- they're keeping it in the family. This is now three successive years of three Fabius brothers. This is true. But again, this is always why I kind of think of mafia style stuff when I think about Roman society. It really is very, who you know, <laughs> nepotism, you know, it's. It's like that. I believe, yeah, the classic patrician model for for leadership. Keep it in the family. Yeah, exactly. Blood is thicker than anything else. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And our co-consul for this Mm. year, and we're in about year 483, 481. Yes, Depending on your date preferences. Yep. Lucius Valerius, son of Marcus. No idea who he is. That's interesting (laughs) because I've got down Marcus Fabius and Lucius Verus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, 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 may, I did lie to you. I do know who um, this Lucius Valerius is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it is the, the same guy. Yeah. Well, mm. and it seems pretty clear because I had to do a little bit of hunting around, actually, because Dionysius is confused in his narrative. Yes. I was like, wow. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> That's succinct narrative. You can't make sense of that. <laughs> it's just so linear. Yeah, precise. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so his full name, according to Dionysius, is Lucius Valerius Petitus. Right. And I was like, whoa, dude. But it also describes him, and Dionysius describes him here as the man who had accused Cassius Spurius yeah. um, of tyranny and caused him to be put to death, which means he's the quaestor parakidii of 485-83. Well, along with Kaiser. Along with Kaiser Fabius. Right, okay. So, but when we had that narrative from Dionysius a couple of years before, yes. he was called Lucius Valerius Publicola. That is so confusing. Dionysius seems to be a little bit confused about who this is, and it sounds like perhaps um, there is some confusion amongst the historians, and certainly not a consensus about who this guy is. Yeah, because when I when I look back at um, that time, that dark dark time when Sporius Cassius was fighting for his life, I also have Lucius Valerius in Livy. Like that's the name I'm given. Weird. Weird. <laughs> well, Sherlock, well, how do you solve this one? Well, the thing, like Valerius is a name I recognise, obviously, but mm. um, but that's not who that's Livy a, gives here. No, and that's a, and so I was kind of like, eh, there is. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, in order to rectify what was just my internal issue, yes, 
but is obviously now much broader. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> historians. <laughs> I, I went and consulted uh, Broughton's um, The Magistrates of the Roman Republic, Volume 1. This is why she's a true academic, guys. Check it out. <laughs> uh, Broughton is good. Yeah. It's basically just lists of who holds what positions in what year. Yeah. It's so good. Um, anyway, and so I went there, and Petitus is the name that's endorsed by Broughton. Right. So it's that second name that Broughton is like, yeah, that's the guy. And I was like, oh, well, if Broughton says so, I trust Broughton. So that would mean it's not the same guy as the... Which I... So I think Publicola mm. um, as Quaestor Parachidii yes. against exactly. Cassius is a red herring. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm not just being... Um, this is why I'm not. <laughs> you and I are both academics. Yes, right. We just specialise in slightly different things. Um, this is, if this was film directors, I'd be all over it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so maybe it's Petitus. It's definitely mm. not Publicola. That's a mistake. So. I kind of wish it was Publicola because Petitus sounds like a foot disease. Yeah, look, I got this severe case of Petitus yeah, right now. Life is tough out there. I've walked for days. I've been uh, kicking plebeians in the ass with my foot. Well, I, but I think the important thing to take away here is yes. that we had this sort of cliffhanger election yeah. where the plebeians were certainly not happy no. with their choices not being endorsed by the consul. It seems like that they weren't going to get these kind of guys through. Yeah. yeah. And Kaiser uh, Fabius, the mm. consul of the previous year, went so far as to make sure that he's own brother gets the consulship after him. <laughs> so that's brotherly love. <laughs> that is a slap in the face to the Philippians, <laughs> I think. Um, because Marcus Fabius is obviously the brother of one of the Quaestor Parachidii yeah. who did away with Spirius Cassius. And then the second consul, Lucius Valerius, for Titus perhaps, yeah. uh, get, is the other yeah. Quaestor Parachidii. Well, exactly, so yeah. Talk about keeping it in the house right now. The patricians are not letting anything slip through no. the grasp of power right now. I tell you what, I marvel at their control. <laughs> but also, I can't believe that I had never really heard of Spurius Cassius until we started looking into this particular period in time. He seems to be actually quite a significant figure, not only in terms of what he did when he was alive, but in kind of the legacy that he leaves behind when, he, when he's dead. Time to write a paper. So yeah, we get through the elections. Yep. Um we have another Fabii. Yep. Um we've got Lucius Lucius Valerius in there. Yep. And so be it. Um guess what we're gonna do? I feel like we're going to go to war, maybe with the Volskians. <laughs> but first... <laughs> she was dancing, guys. <laughs> I'm we, just that clever. <laughs> we have to replace the troops that have perished in the war against Antium. So uh, the yes, Volskian war of the previous year. I feel like that would be a significant number, given that it uh, didn't fare too well, yeah. the old Romans. Things didn't go so no. well. <laughs> and so there are various uh, sentries within uh, the army that need to be filled. Yes. Um, the Senate obtains a decree to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. They appoint the day where every man of military age must appear, and there is a great tumult in the city. I was going to say, does no one appear? <laughs> <laughs> Seditious speeches are made by the poor citizens. What? <laughs> they haven't even had training in rhetoric. <laughs> they refuse to comply. I should probably should keep my voice down in the library. <laughs> <laughs> they refuse to comply. Yeah. With the decree of the Senate. Nice. Uh, they refuse to obey the authority of the consuls. Oof. This is bold moves. Yeah. 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 And the argument that they put forward is because the Senate has violated the promise of making amends on the allotment of land. 
sharp, Plebeans. Really sharp. <laughs> Glad you finally noticed. <laughs> Surprise. <Yeah. laughs> cool. Okay, good. Good for them. I am finally yeah. not frustrated enough to tear my hair out. Yeah, yeah. I think they've done good. So they go to the tribunes. Yeah. And their representatives, yeah. Well, they do, but not mm. only that, that, they get mad at the tribunes. And yeah, they say, you know, the tribunes have been very quiet. Yeah. I just suddenly realized that. Mm. Where are the troublesome tribunes? Yeah. Why are people not wanting to hack their heads off and pour gold inside? That will come back later, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Spurious Cassius disappears mysteriously in circumstances, and the tribunes all go silent. Yeah. 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 So, fair enough. I mean, I guess I'd be intimidated too. The person before me has either been thrown off a rock or beaten to death with rods. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't made a move for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and the plebeians start rousing on them and accusing them of treachery. And demanding them for assistance. Yeah. Well, that's what they're there for. You were supposed to help us. That's what they're getting maybe paid for. Not paid. No, no, they're definitely not getting paid for that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a glorious... uh, It sounds better when I say they're getting paid. (laughs) It's a glorious duty to serve one's country. Paid in honour. Yeah. (laughs) So most of the tribunes are sort of backing away quietly from this. Like, guys... Do we know any new names? We do. We know one. Excellent. The one who doesn't back away. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Gaius Manius, mm. Tribune of the Plebs, says he will not betray the plebeians. Now, this could just be a pronunciation thing. This isn't a guy that we've heard before, like the guy that gave the stomach speech, is it? I, no. No, no it's not. Okay. No, I right. don't think so. No, no. I'm, I'm probably just mishearing it. Yeah. So many um, vowels. So many vowels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I might have mangled them. Excellent. You know. Good, good. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> I can only work with the accent that I have. Yes. <laughs> I've been taught Latin poorly <laughs> in the colonies, you um, Gaius Minius mm. uh, declares he will not betray the plebeians. Mm. Um, he will not permit the consuls to levy an army unless they first appoint those commissioners for fixing the boundaries of the public land. Is this a 10 guys? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even the red tape it? hasn't been organized. It's just very just, quiet red tape. They just <laughs> said they were going to organize oh, red tape so and then didn't even do it. Oh my god. Yeah, that's how little the patricians care I find about the reallotment of public land. Because I feel like if the Romans love nothing more, I mean, sorry, correction, wealthy Romans love nothing more than a meaningless position <laughs> that has no pay packet attached. <laughs> As long as it's got a title and some sort of power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in charge of, like, you know, a small ruler and a piece of string and measuring out bits of land? Love it. Sounds like fun. I'm all over it. That's how I'm going to do after this. But I got afternoon schedule. Exactly, yeah. Um, so they've, they're like, nothing's been going on here. This yeah. is a problem. Yeah, yeah. Minius is like, I am your tribune. I'll stand up for you. I'll hold them to account. I don't suppose Dionysius mentions the paltry excuses offered by the other tribunes, does he? Um, they said it wasn't quite a suitable time because there were foreign wars that needed to be dealt with. Yes. <laughs> and they were like, we don't want to have domestic hatred on our doorstep when we've got the enemy coming towards us. Um, that sounds like the company line, if you know what I mean. That sounds like a bunch of tribunes who are just doing the minimum work. Exactly, yeah. They don't care about the people at all. No, they don't. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. um, yes, they've bought into the Senate rhetoric. Right. Um, so he draws up, Manius draws up a decree for the Senate mm-hmm. um, regarding the allotment of land. Yeah. Um, because he wants to lay it before the people. Okay. Um, the consuls oppose this. Um, so they made war. Um, they said that because they were making war, there was not any excuse to actually give in to his desires. Yeah. And so Manius replies that he's not going to listen to them and he's actually going to like uh, drag all the people out 
um, and try and like ra- raise them up in some other way. Nice. Um, Chuck the hand. <laughs> Sin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to levy all of those with impositions of power, and, yeah. essentially. And he attempts to do this, but he can't manage to do it. So the consuls just go outside the city and they order all the general's chairs to be placed in the campus marshes. Ooh. And that's where they decide that they're going to enroll the troops. Okay. Um, but that's also where they're going to find everybody who has refused to obey the laws. Ooh, money. Yeah. In the pockets. And this is a real problem because the Tribune of the Pebs only has power within the Pomerium of the city. Yeah. Within the, the sacred, walls. Yeah, the Pomerium is like the sacred boundary. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Romulus yeah. and Remus had a bit of a fight about it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't end well. No. <laughs> um, but this is terrible. So I, Dionysius goes into some details here. If the disobedient pe- people owned estates, yes. so like the high up plebeians, they laid those to waste and demolished their country houses. What? And Livy, what are you doing to me? Where is this information? <laughs> yeah, this is this is big time. This is big. Yeah, yeah. this is basically like let us let's kill the poor people. Um, and if they're farmers who tilled fields that belong to others, they strip them of all of their farming equipment, yokes of the oxen, cattle, beasts of burden. Anything that was on hand in order for them to be able to do their work. Jesus Christ. Uh, the patricians have reached a new level of douchebaggery. Yeah, this <laughs> is a new low. Yeah. So this is essentially asking, um, well, not even asking, it's uh, we will destroy you if you do not sign up and enroll into the army right now. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, this. I feel like this is what we were talking about last episode a little bit in that this this whole ploy of hey there's international intrigue and we've got to go fight it guys whatever is wearing thin mm. really thin and therefore they're having to resort to ever more desperate and cruel ways of making the plebeians bend to their will yeah this is violently yeah. turning against their own people it's like it's like basically like a civil war yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't know why yeah. it sounds surprised <laughs> <laughs> once again in the moment <laughs> needless to say yeah all right, so uh, needless to say, Gaius Manius had little power to prevent the patricians from treating the plebeians in such a terrible way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's stuck inside the city <laughs> and can do nothing. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so the requirements of his position means that he's not allowed to spend a single night away from the city, save mm. on very special occasions. Consuls really thought this through, haven't they? Yeah, so they're just like, we're going to do everything outside the city walls. How about that, plebeians? Plebeians come to us, and if you don't, we'll take your land and we'll take all of your farming equipment. Uh, I, do, you, do you think the patricians really were this clever? <laughs> I'm not sure, but yeah. it, I mean, it feels pretty bad. And uh, Dionysius makes a point of comparing the sort of civil strife that is engendered by this moment to the civil war that is happening in Rome in his own period, and he's sort of referring mm. to like 49 BCE. So he jumps ahead and starts to make some parallels for the reader. Yeah, so that'd be around the time, just for those of you who aren't quite there yet, because <laughs> indeed we are far away. We are very far away That's, uh, that's the time of, you know, Julius Caesar and Pompey and the civil wars between them that will end in the demise of the Republic. Yes, yeah, yeah so much later on. So yeah. And now we get a, a foreshadowing, a taste of things to come. I can understand why you, you could potentially see those parallels. I mean, obviously see whether he's seeing parallels or creating parallels. Dun, dun, dun! Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm such a historiographer. <laughs> yeah, anyway, sorry. Continue. Well, in any case, it yeah. seems to work in this moment. The plebeians uh, take the sacred oath, they enlist, and we have uh, Fabius, uh, who is... Which Fabius are we up to now? 
who is Marcus. Okay. Marcus, Marcus. Marcus yeah, Fabius. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I know. Um, surprise, surprise. He takes over the portion of the army that used to be run by his bro, mm. Casio. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and he takes the army over to support the allies, the Hanusians and the Latins. Mm. Even though there doesn't seem to be any action over there. I was going to say, like, defend them with what? <laughs> From support, what? support. I mean, yeah. the Volskians have sent a force. Oh, we okay. just haven't heard yeah. anything about it. Right, okay. Um, yeah. So whether it hasn't been raided or whether nothing has occurred yet, yeah. it's not all clear. Could just be strength in numbers because we all know how the Volskians <laughs> get when they think the army is too small. <laughs> well then. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like an opportunity. They start to prance around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Volskians. And uh, Valerius gets, um, Lucius Valerius gets lumped with the one that's going down to Antium and heading straight into Volskian territory. <laughs> and he also has all the new recruits with him. Ooh. So these are the plebeians who have just been coerced by force or violence or property confiscation into the army. Do we have any idea about numbers? Like, like how many people did comply, didn't comply? Or is it... No numbers. Mm. Yeah. You know, Interesting. fittingly vague. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just thought maybe there was like, you know, some rebel band. Of, you know what? I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I joined this army, but I'm doing nothing for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just you wait. Just you okay, wait. Okay, yeah. Um, so the army that uh, Valerius is leading, you know, they get down to Antium, they have a bit of a standoff with the Volskians. Yeah. Nobody wants to make the first move, which yeah. after a few years of this going on, possibly not surprising. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. just sort of looking at each other being like, well, we've I, been here before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see you troops. Yeah. <laughs> I raise you troops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Um, and so, you know, there's just little skirmishes here and there. Yeah. And, um... It gets to the point where there is a clear reluctance um, on the Roman soldiers' part. Mm. Um, and it seems like uh, at this point they've become really poor fighters and they're really not interested, mm. which is perhaps Gee, I unsurprising. Why. <laughs> yeah. And you mean holding a gun to someone's head and telling them to fight like it's Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, as these things go, if you've got two armies facing off each other and all looking at each other being like, you make the first move, somebody calls chicken on that and decides that there needs to be a battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one eventually happens. Right. And the Romans come out and the Volscians come out and Dionysius takes his time describing the exhaustion of mm. everybody involved. Interesting. And he spends lots of time on this and he's like, men who were barely alive were even more numerous than the dead. Wow. Yeah. Um, those... I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. Um, I, like, I can, you know what, it's funny, I, when we were recording a previous episode, I must admit, sometimes it, I do feel genuinely physically weary <laughs> thinking about the rut that they are in at the moment. So I can kind of appreciate this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, and they are in a rut. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> big time. Um, it gets better, though. Yeah. Their shields, because of the multitude of spears that have struck into them, are weighing down their left arm. Mm. And they're not prepared. They can't just uh, raise their arm up anymore. And they're really tired with their daggers yeah, yeah the edges have been blunted or shattered in battle mm. so nobody's any good anymore even the weapons are starting to disintegrate on them oh it's so symbolic yeah <laughs> all of the lactic acids slacken their sinews weaken their blows the sweat acid? no he doesn't say lactic oh, acid oh yeah, good. Oh, yeah no. no that was a little that was a little bit of me <laughs> i was gonna say wow 
I gotta check on the Roman <laughs> medical knowledge because I feel like I've been underestimated. One oh one anatomy. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> Forget the Hippocratic oath, everybody. Yes, right. Sorry, continue. Sweat, thirst, <laughs> and want of breath. You have afflicted me sweat. <laughs> both armies. Yeah. As is wont to happen when men fight in the long, stifling heat of summer. Oh, yuck. Yeah, so evocative and yeah. and horrifying. And Dionysus hasn't gone down this path before. But I think he's bringing it in really particularly in order to emphasize what seems to be his major point yeah. at the end of this section. Yeah. Which is essentially that the troops hate the consul. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah. They hate him. Yeah. They're sending letters home, apparently, talking about... The need for the reallotment of the land. Yeah, well... From the battlefield. I mean, like, yeah. you know what the real issue here is? <laughs> Not that I'm stuck in the territory of the Volskii. It's the fact that the reallotment of the land hasn't happened. Dear Lucretia, <laughs> as I sit here pondering whether I will live to see another day, it occurs to me that we really need to allot this land. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm curious Yours about... Truly. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> when I come back in the next life, I hope I'm a decimvir. <laughs> the first thing I would do is cut through that red tape and give you a piece of that land. Yeah, pretty much. When um, I dream of heaven at night. I dream of endless fields, and they're mine. Oh, mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They basically accuse uh, Valerius, Lucius Valerius, of being unfit to command. Okay. Yeah. Once again, I, I, I do take that on board, but at the same time, kind of feel like they all bear shared responsibility for this situation, because it's a, it's a big burden to ask a commander to take out troops who are in this state of mind, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and yeah. look, I mean, they've been coerced into it, so they're clearly unwilling. Yeah. Um, it's not at all surprising that they're complaining about it. No. At all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, does that make uh, Lucius Valerius a terrible leader? Maybe. Because he's yeah. still co- trying to coerce some people to do some things they don't want to do. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sympathy, gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on what his methods are. True, yeah. Uh, but it seems that he hasn't been able to find a way to build their morale. Yeah, yeah. And it may be the case that it's getting to the point where the patricians have played... This same card too many times. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is pretty intense. This feels like we've been in this particular part of history for the last 50 years ourselves. Yeah. I was going to say, it actually reminds me a little bit of that Jerry Seinfeld bit about why exes can't be friends. It's like two magicians who've seen all of each other's tricks. And they're like, look, a rabbit. Like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to surprise me. Exactly. (laughs) In a nice way. (laughs) Not by putting down my ass. This leads really nicely yeah. in terms of our narrative to what is, for me personally, a massive moment in Roman history. Uh, Wait, is this a Vestal thing? This is a Vestal Woo-hoo! thing. Yeah. Well, can yeah. I be happy? <laughs> Everything's going wrong. What better time to have an issue with the Vestal Virgin cult? Yeah, now this is the Vestal Opia, I believe. It is indeed mm. the Vestal Opia. Yes. Apparently, there are many prodigies in Rome. Ooh, that's never a good sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unusual voices and sights occurred as indications of divine wrath. Unusual voices? Yeah, unusual voices. I like the fact that the Romans share a belief that we seem to have, judging by movies, 
that when the gods speak and stuff, it's like, hey, you down now. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> I see you and I'm very unhappy. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so everybody's like, oh, something's up. And it's like, guys, it's the fact that you haven't done the re-allotment of the <laughs> land. You know, it should be staring you in the face You know you to right do now. this for about 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> Have you considered? But no, instead of going down that path, um, they get the augurs involved. Yeah. Because um, they're supposed to be, you know, pooling their resources, interpreting the signs. Yeah. And they decide that it's pretty clear that some of the gods are angry. Mm. <laughs> they haven't been receiving their customary honours. Oh, dear. And the rites haven't been performed in a pure and holy manner. And this is where our poor little Vestalophia would come in. Yeah, so, yeah, rather than investigating perhaps whether you should have, you know, a proper class system that supports all the citizens. (laughs) Stop ripping people off, (laughs) patricians. How about that? (laughs) They start an inquiry. (laughs) And it falls upon the pontiffs eventually. Mm -hmm. So the pontificates are like, oh, yeah, we've got a virgin who's uh, been misbehaving. So this is, um, I have to remind myself because we have kind of talked about vessels before. This is the first time in our narrative history, since we started talking about the history of Rome, that this has happened, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 In Rome anyway. In yeah. Rome. Yeah. yeah. All of the rest of the incidents that have involved vessels up until this point have either been in that really hazy early period. Yeah, yeah. Um, legendary mythic period. Where they're period. getting raged by gods and stuff. Yeah. yeah <laughs> where we're not really sure what's going on. Yeah. Or you've got um, sort of that moment of Tarpeia, but that doesn't really come into the narrative as a Vestal moment until much later. So yeah. it's not in the historical record. Sure. Yeah. It's in the literature record. Yeah. Um, so, but now we get one of these moments in somebody who's producing a history. Yeah. So just to give our readers a bit of background, because uh, Dr. G is a Vestal expert, aficionado, whatever other label you want to use for, for that uh, particular type of person that she is. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Vestal cult at this point in time? Like, what's the what? What are the rules? Who are they? Just Jaren. Yeah, bullet yeah. points. Hit me. With I mean, it. bullet points. Yeah. All right. Who they are? Yeah. They're six women. Yep. Selected between the ages of six and ten. Yep. They serve for thirty years. Yep. They watch the sacred flame of Vesta. Yep. Vesta's flame represents the the safety of Rome. Yep. And the Vestal cult is not specific to Rome. It's scattered throughout Italy. Yeah. So every city has its own particular Vestal, like half to Vesta. Yeah. And will have its own little group of priestesses looking after it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but the Rome one becomes the crucial one, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. as Rome becomes more important, yeah. obviously their cult takes on more significance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but their role is to look after the fire, which yep. represents Vesta. Yep. And to make sure that it doesn't go out. Yep. Because it represents the fire, the, sh- the hearth fire of the entire state. Yeah, and so there's a real feeling, isn't there, that if that goes out then Rome's in serious danger and someone has to pay. Yeah, so this is a problem. And yeah. we don't get any signs in Dionysius's narrative that the fire goes out. No, so that's... no, nor in Livy. Livy does mention Opio, you'll be happy to know. She hasn't, <laughs> slipped, she hasn't slipped through the cracks <laughs> like so many little plebeians. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so um, Opia or Opimia, she's mm-hmm. known by a couple of different names. Yeah. Um, she appears, according to the... Pontificates, um, the priestly body that's supposed to manage the vestals, um, she lost her virginity mm. and she continued to serve. And so, so this means that she's polluted the rites yeah, yeah. of watching the flame. Yeah. She's supposed to be a virgin. So that's pretty serious. Now, I know that you're, um, a, again, an expert in exactly the kinds of like charges that a vestal could come up against. What precisely mm. is, is the crime that she is 
Yeah, so, I mean, the, the crime here is going to be um, in Kestem, mm. the crimin in Kestem. Yes. Um, this idea that she's lost her virginity. Yeah. But because we don't have the signal that the fire went out, it gets a bit weird okay. as well. Because um, in Kestem, from what I understand, and mm. I'm basing this purely on what I've read of your work. <laughs> oh, dangerous. Yeah. Ooh, in, tell in me. Kestem doesn't necessarily mean that she's actually had sex with someone else. It could actually be that because things are going badly in terms of the state, etc., that it's suspected that a, that a vessel has compromised her her chastity and her virginity and all that kind of stuff. And that could be in a way that's kind of like an attitude, like a, a mental yeah, approach yeah. to her job. Yeah, she could yeah. she could also be behaving in a way that doesn't conform to the expected um, chaste sort of behaviour yes. of a vessel virgin. Yeah. Um, in this case, though, um, it seems that they engage in a process of torture. Um, they can torture vessels at this point in time? No, they can't. I mean, they can't torture vessels directly. They right. they can whip them through a sheet. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you stand on the other side of the sheet. Now say "ow" when I hit you. <laughs> yeah, they do things like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that can happen. Yeah. Um, but when Dionysus refers to tortures and other proofs um, to determine that this case is true, what they seem to be referring to is that they torture other people who. Oh yeah. Okay. Who have a connection to yeah. the case. Yeah. So Sorry, just for listeners again, just for those you might not be familiar, vessels generally are pretty sacrosanct. Like you can't really touch them. Yeah, you can't yeah. touch their body. Yeah. Um, although it turns out that you can hit them through a sheet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then it's okay. So, you know, there are, yeah, you know, there are technicalities. Yeah. Um, but they've most likely, if she's lost her virginity... Um, touching's been involved. <laughs> well, yeah, touching has been involved. Yeah. And from a Roman perspective, this also means that a man has been involved. Yes. yes, um, yes. That's the only kind of virginity they're interested in. Yeah. Um, so if they track down the person who's suspected of having sex with the Vestal, and they yeah. torture that person until yes. they confess, true. then obviously it must be true that it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everybody knows how reliable torture is for finding out the truth. That is always a hallmark of the Roman legal system, isn't it? That The idea that you can torture someone to tell truth and that's the only way to get like yeah for not a, the only way but that's the best way to make sure someone it's a pretty good method according to the romans yeah, yeah. you want to yeah. find out the truth torture them yeah whereas it's it just for us that's counterintuitive i yeah. it has been discredited as a mode for yeah. finding out the truth yeah i say it like this after debate <laughs> it is not <laughs> yeah, yeah you you want to find out something that you already think is true torture somebody yeah you want to find out the truth maybe find some other proof yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah so they they torture some people um, and they, this means they get to strip her of her headdress. Ooh. Um, they have a fancy headdress. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. what distinguishes them from other women in public. Yeah. Um, their fancy headdress. And, and then they take her through the forum in a, uh, what appears to be a nice procession. And then they bury her alive, um, inside the city walls. Yeah. And see, sadly, this is not going to be a lone case of a vestal being held responsible for other things going wrong. <laughs> No. I mean, um, I mean, another, sorry, they are holding her responsible, they are saying, for something she has done wrong. It, yeah, it's really yeah. interesting because yeah. there's no connection made in Dionysius' narrative and yeah. no interpretive explanation to suggest that what is happening with Opia in this moment is in any way connected to the broader politics true. of the city. Yeah, that's very but true. But there is some really bad stuff happening in Rome right now. Yeah. And it's and not going well for the patricians. And we mentioned in the previous episode that this might be a bit of a dark period for the Mediterranean area in general. Yes. So it's exactly the kind of time that people's logic 
snacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we need a sacrifice right now? Maybe we need to bury somebody alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I have to admit the same thing in Livy. Like I couldn't say that Livy has drawn any direct connection, but to be honest, in my mind, just given what I know about other vessel cases, my mind made that connection straight away that things aren't going so well. They've been defeated by the Volskians fairly recently. There's been so much tension between the Patricians and the Plebeians. The Plebeians are really riled up and it seems like they're heading to a point where they kind of have to go one way or the other, like full out, total assholes <laughs> and like slaughtering Plebeians left, right and center yeah. or making concessions that they don't want to make. And all of that to me just adds up to Vessel's going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is an amazing sort of like distraction tactic, if yes. you like. And it's like, oh, it's the gods. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. like, let's have a human spectacle here. So maybe we were wrong to say that they played every card they had to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is it is a bold move because yeah. the Vestals are coming from patrician families. Yes. In this period. One of their own, yeah. Yeah, so they're sacrificing one of their own. Um, whether they see it as politically connected right now or not, it kind of doesn't doesn't matter in a way. Uh, it's yeah. still something that's happening in the public space. Being buried alive within the city walls is um, traditionally being buried inside the city walls would be a violation yeah. of of the sacred pomerium. Yes, and this is something that only happens to vessels in this period. Yeah, being buried inside the walls, so they can't even leave the city in death essentially. But then you get to have another sort of spectacle as well because apparently there were two men convicted oh, of really? violating her. Yeah, see, Lou doesn't give me the details about that, which I suppose, which is, I suppose why I immediately thought it was more political than it was mm. anything else, because he hasn't really mentioned the men. Yeah, no, they, yeah. they round up two men. Okay, yeah. Um, and they are ordered to be scourged in public. Ooh. Yeah, which means... They, beating with rods again. <laughs> beating with yeah, rods. Yeah. And then put to death, mm. which could be continuing to be beaten with the rods. Yeah, yeah. Um, being stoned to death. Right. Um, or just a free-for-all from the crowd. Jesus. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. There are many ways that that could go. Yeah. And so uh, to perhaps satiate the anger within the city itself. Yes. You have a live burial and yeah. you've got two scapegoated men who get to be murdered by the population. And I, I gather that the whole idea about burying a vessel alive as opposed to any other form of death. Mm. It's um, obviously, as you say, it's partly because then she remains in the city. Is it also, is it to do with that whole, you can't really lay violent hands on her and also this idea that, because they, they put her in with, um, like a lamp and, and milk and that kind of stuff as well, don't they? So Yeah, she's given a, a, like a small amount of things to like eat, drink and look after herself. Yeah, and like then a they, day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then they just, you know, cover it up and don't let her out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So That's it, a slow burn. Yeah. Unless there's a secret tunnel outside to the city. <laughs> spins me out, man. Like, yeah. I, I just, the idea that maybe one day someone could come across one of these... Have they found one of these chains? No. Yeah. So the area in which the Vestals are buried is a place that is still continuously inhabited. Yeah, yeah. So okay. there's been no excavation work there. There are buildings everywhere in that it area. It's just... right near Termini Station. Okay, actually. right, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose we, ne we probably never will, but to... I mean, God, what what an eerie thing to uncover yes. if you ever did. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested if if those chambers are there. Yeah. And if there is anything left in I them. I know. I mean, it, it sounds it's ghoulish, creepy. but it's just such a horrible <laughs> yes. death. I mean, don't get me wrong. Beating with rods would not be pleasant, but at least there's an end point. Mm. You know, like it, it has to come eventually. Whereas buried alive. That yeah, that's going to be long and slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be pretty horrific. Yeah. 
Um, on the plus side... Sorry, yeah. <laughs> if there is a plus side, Dionysius yeah. says that these sacrifices... Uh, after these sacrifices, the auguries become favourable. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Back the, on. <laughs> the gods are no longer angry. <laughs> Woohoo! Because I'm happy. <laughs> that's what I needed, fresh blood. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so that's good to know. Yeah. Um, and then we get into this moment where... Once again, it's time for the election of the magistrates. Ooh, who are they going to go for? <laughs> oh, yeah, so the Let consuls. Patrician, <laughs> male, of a certain age. <laughs> well, perhaps <laughs> of certain qualifications oh, and experience. Of course. <laughs> could they be patricians? I think they yeah. could. <laughs> so uh, the idea is that perhaps, you know, there's going to be some controversy this year. Who'd have thought? Mm. Well, should we uh, should we finish on another election cliffhanger? Look, I, I think we should. Excellent. Um, and I think this means that we are up to the moment of thinking about the partial picks. We are indeed, listeners. And you know what? We're adding something to it. The partial pick. Oh, that was intense. I know. Wow. Was that a real eagle sound? Of course it was. Would I give my listeners anything less than a real eagle sound? Mm. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) So, we have got our first category to consider, military clout. Military clout. That's a tricky one, I feel like, this week. Look, I I don't think it's gone particularly well. I mean, they faced off with the Volskins, but have they really defeated them? There seems to be low morale. There is low morale, so I feel like it's not great, but it's not... there's no evidence to say defeated. it's not out defeat. Yeah, so yes. what do you reckon, like a four? Mm, sounds good. Okay, four it is. All right. Diplomacy. Mm. Yeah. There's been no diplomacy. No, not really. Not if you bring women alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rome, that's a big fat zero. <laughs> and I think the same can be said for expansion. Definitely. Have we gone anywhere? We certainly haven't. No, no. So that's once Come again, on, Rome. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> We're to Oh, Jesus. Okay, again, I have to ask... Have we decided, are we doing this by their standards or our standards? (laughs) I think it has to be by their standards. And I think our standout is the Tribune of the Plebs, Gaius Minius, who comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm going to fight for you. I'm in your corner. I'm going to do my duty. When all of the other Tribunes of the Plebs are like, guys, foreign wars, let's stick together. Let's not create waves. (laughs) And, And as horrific as it is, I feel like they probably felt like they were doing the right thing by dealing with the vessel situation and the whole, you know, male, adult, whatever they, what do you, whatever they call themselves, adulterers. adulterers? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, violating a vessel is a very special crime. Yeah, um, got to be scourged yeah. to death for that. I feel like that's that's setting things right with the gods. Is that? Uh, oh, look, I mean, it's rough. I'm going to give yeah. them maybe five. Okay, yeah, five. That would be the most I'd go for. Five, it is. Okay, final one: the citizen score. Ooh. Are the citizens having a good time? I think they just got their property confiscated. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've had a really rough time. Actually. I think they just got forced into Negative the army. Zero. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, can we give them a minor score yeah. for eagles here? You know what? So far, all they've got is nine, nine <laughs> golden eagles. So I feel like that's punishment enough. Oh, we are in the dark days of the Roman Republic. Yeah. The good news is, though, listeners, stay tuned because it really can only go one place from here. <laughs> well, we will catch you soon. Which for something that will hopefully be an uplifting account of Rome. We've we've got some good stories (laughs) around the corner. I feel like it will be. Excellent. (laughs) 